With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're going to hang out. Lock Talk Radio. Hi. Okay. Hi, this Thanks. is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda. I'm your host. Linda Stevens-Jones, and I appreciate your tuning in today. I said it last week, but with Christmas now only three days away, I know you're super busy. Maybe you're busier than you are at any other time of the year. So the fact that you've carved out this time to join in today is fantastic. I'm excited about your listening for several reasons. It tells me that you're supporting what we're trying to do with this broadcast. Your listening tells me also that you want to hear my very special guest today, Reverend Ellen Harris. And thirdly, it tells me that if you listen and get something out of today's show, you may pass the link or the information on this broadcast on to others. And that helps to grow the community of folk we can reach with this broadcast, thanks to you. The more listeners, the better, because what's the purpose, again, of this broadcast? It's simple. It's to encourage and uplift our listeners. We want to create a place that I call a community where you can listen for some nuggets, call in, and feel safe, supported, and understood. Let me add that not only are you listening during the live broadcast like you are right now, but hundreds of you are tuning in later to hear a replay of the broadcast. So I greatly appreciate that. And please continue to be a part of Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda, okay? For those of you listening for the first time today, you are able to share the link that you use for this broadcast. Or you can go back to Life Coach Radio Network and put in the name of this broadcast, Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda, and listen to previous shows. I invite you to do that because each of my previous guests has been authentic and inspiring in what they shared, and I know you'll be blessed if you check them out. Today... We're going to talk about topics pertinent to the season of the year, Christmas. First, I want to discuss what Christmas really, really means. And second, I want to talk about how to wrap up 2015 
way or with a mindset that prepares us for purposeful and fulfilling 2016. And when my guest joins us, he'll weigh in on these topics as well. Stay with us for the full broadcast because you'll walk away blessed with my discussion with Reverend Harris. So, here we are just a few short days before Christmas 2015. If I ask you, what does Christmas mean to you? What would you say? Really? What's the first thing that comes to your mind about the Christmas season? Is it gifts, relatives, travel, festive gatherings, or is it celebrating the birth of Christ? I'm waiting for you to answer. (laughs) Just ask yourself, what does Christmas really signify and represent in my life and in my heart? For me, it's a celebration of Christ's birth as hope coming to the world. One of my very favorite Christmas songs fully captures the meaning of Christmas for me. It's called Hope Has Come. The song speaks of Christ as hope coming into the world, born as a babe in a manger. But for the purpose of giving himself to a lost world, I've been celebrating even this morning that Christ's coming is real, not just a story. Christ was sent in human form by God the Father over 2,000 years ago to ultimately bear the sins of the world and create a provision for those who believe in him to have eternal life. That's amazing. So how about you? What meaning does Christmas hold for you? I wonder if there's a listener out there for whom Christmas does not hold a deeper meaning for them than the shopping, gifts, dinners, and parties. There's nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying all of the festivities of Christmas. I understand for some that's what it's all about. And until we came to have a relationship with Christ, that might have been the same for many of us. If that's where you are, that's where you are. No judgment. But I would love to share more with you about what started Christmas and that there's a a deeper, far deeper meaning and reason that we celebrate You hear during this season that Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, I'd love to discuss that with you. If you want to discuss uh, Christmas on a more personal level, if you want to have a personal discussion with me, just let me know, okay? I'll remain on the line at the end of the broadcast today to get your contact information. Okay. Now that we've talked a little bit or given a moment of thought to the meaning of this season, I want to move into a few thoughts about getting into the best mindset for the new year 
I know. It's time to talk about the new year as well. A mindset for your most fulfilling 2016. Why this question? Because this question is directly related to what you'll experience in the new year. What kind of experience do you want in the new year? See the connection? If you ponder the kind of year you want and the kind of mindset that you want to have, you'll see that those two things go together. And then I'll throw in another question. Are there any things, ideas, beliefs, or fears that you need to leave behind in 2015? I like this question a lot because some of us say we want a positive, faith-filled mindset going into 2016. But do we need to get rid of some of the old, negative, or counterproductive mindsets first? Hmm. If we're not careful, won't we take the same worry, fear, unforgiveness from this year into the new year? It's one thing to have a positive picture of how you want things to be in the future. But as a coach, I am very cognizant that it's another to decide and stop carrying the mindsets that are not helpful. Mindsets that may be preventing you from having what you're seeking. I know it's easier said than done, but I believe one of the first steps to adopting a new mindset is recognizing that your current mindset or attitude may be hurting you and that you have to let them go before you can begin with a new can-do attitude and spirit. I hope some of you will call in a bit later in the show and share your thoughts about this mindset thing. We'll also see what my guest has to say about mindset for the new year. So I just can't wait to introduce this special guest. Without further ado, it's time to introduce Reverend Alan Harris. Reverend Harris, a native of St. Louis, Missouri, began his preaching ministry at the age of 19 and has served in full-time ministry since he was 22 years old. Reverend Harris, an ordained minister of the gospel, currently serves as the associate pastor of student ministries at Antioch Baptist Church in Fairfax Station, Virginia, under the leadership of Reverend Dr. Marshall Osbury. Reverend Harris graduated from Robert E. Lee High School in Springfield, Virginia. He then obtained his B.A. in Biblical Studies from Washington Bible College in Lanham, Maryland. His hunger and desire to be enriched intellectually and spiritually led him to matriculate at Southern Seminary, which is known as the flagship seminary of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is in Louisville, Kentucky, where he obtained his Master's of Divinity degree. 
Realizing leaders must continue to grow, Reverend Harris is currently working on his doctorate with an emphasis in leadership. With a practical yet insightful and charismatic preaching style, which I can personally attest to, (laughs) Reverend Harris is dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone he comes in contact with. Believing the gospel is to be heard to the ends of the earth, Reverend Harris has been afforded the opportunity to preach in Austria, Toronto, Kenya, and Haiti. Reverend Harris is also an avid sports fan who also enjoys traveling, reading, and watching movies. Though Reverend Harris acknowledges he has been tremendously blessed by the Lord, Reverend Harris considers family one of God's biggest blessings to him. He is married to his college sweetheart and lifelong best friend, Joy L. Harris, and they are the proud parents of their beloved son, Isaiah Allen Harris. Reverend Harris's favorite Bible verse can be found in 1 Corinthians 15.10a. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Ladies and gentlemen, it is truly my pleasure to welcome and introduce to you Reverend Alan Harris. Reverend Harris, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for the for the invitation to come on your show. Uh, it's tr- truly an honor and a privilege to uh, to be able to share with you, and and we're just so happy and excited about all the great things that God is doing in your life. So, so thank you for for the invitation. Thank you. I know your appearance today today will be a memorable way to close out this year. We want to hear some about you personally, um, but I've also got to get your thoughts about the true meaning of Christmas and for you to give our community some insights on the kind of mindset that will help them move into the new year and on, posit- on a positive note. So with your help, our listeners will be ready to make the kind of choices that move their lives forward. Now, let's get started. Um, I've shared some of your bio, but what is something I didn't mention that you'd like for our audience to know about you? Yes, so uh, one one of the interesting things being that I'm in full-time ministry, uh, one of of my favorite aspects of full-time ministry is uh, being around people, uh, spending time with people, et cetera, not only in their difficult times of life, but one of my favorite moments, uh, one of my favorite aspects of ministry uh, is just being able to interact with people overall. Uh, But with that, the reason I say it's, um, I guess some would say it's interesting, is that by nature I'm actually an introvert. And so a lot of people, um, they assume that because I'm, um, because one of my favorite aspects of ministry is being around people, um, that I'm an extrovert mm-hmm. by nature. But uh, one interesting fact about me, or some would consider interesting, is that I'm actually a introvert by nature. <laughs> yeah, we do find that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I would love to have you just share, and this is more for people who do know you, because that's a, that's a very interesting uh, factoid. What would be three words, if you just had to come up with three words that kind of sum up Alan Harris's personality, what would you say? 
three words. I would say uh, I'm laid back. I'm. Huh? I'm say laid back. I'm also very. Um, I like to observe, and I also like to make mm-hmm. people laugh. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Okay. Well, for those out there listening to your bio. I know they are recognizing you've accomplished quite a bit uh, already. You finished your bachelor's degree in 2004, and now you're working on your doctorate. You have um, a beautiful wife and son. Was this always a part of your vision for your life, Reverend Harris, or have you adapted your vision along the way? Yes, well, I would actually answer that question with a yes and a no. Um, In terms of family life, I would say yes. Um, Growing up as a teenager, I always knew uh, the type of family that I wanted, always knew that I wanted to have a family life. I always just kind of felt that I was a, uh, that God kind of created me to be a quote-unquote family guy. Uh, So growing up, I always knew that, knew that I wanted to get married uh, rather young. Uh, That was always my preference, and then God uh, granted that uh, wish of mine, allowing me to get married uh, at the age of 24. And uh, mm-hmm. and then, of course, my son, who's five years old, so I had him when I was about 29. Uh, but growing up, I always knew uh, that I wanted to be a family man. Uh, family was always important to me. And so I knew that I always wanted to have a family of my own. Then on the career-slash-educational side, that, that that's how I would answer no. Um it's interesting, and, and it's actually a testament, um, a testimony of God's grace uh, that I'm even pursuing my doctorate. Because I remember when I was in high school, uh, speaking with my high school uh, guidance counselor, uh, based on my GPA, uh, he had come to the conclusion, and then he uh, therefore even suggested to me that I should look into trade schools, or that I should look into something other, um, some other possibility or some other option, rather, than going to college, because he put it, um, I just don't think that you're college material. So it's a it's a blessing. Um, it's certainly a blessing um, from God, and no, nothing uh, nothing but uh, a uh, a statement of his grace, that the fact that I'm even pursuing pursuing a doctorate right now. The, what's even more interesting about that is the fact that I'm pursuing this doctorate. Even when I was pursuing my master's degree, um, I really never had it, in my own personal vision to uh to pursue a doctorate. And so my master's it took me um took me about six years to finish my master's degree because my son was born during the process. Uh so it took me a little longer than I had expected. And so when I first started my master's the goal was just to get through that program, finish that program and call it a day. Uh but about probably about my fourth or fifth year um into my program um, that's when I felt God leading me to pursue a doctorate. And so here we are now with uh, one complete year under our belt, getting ready to go into our second year of our doctoral program. That is fantastic. That is super fantastic that you were able to keep going even when um, a teacher or somebody influential is uh Actually, pretty pretty discouraging. I I must have imagined. Very much so. When, yeah, very very much yeah. so. Well, you yeah. um, you have such a beautiful family. Uh, 
I think everybody wants to steal little Isaiah. <laughs> and I believe I speak for many who know you when I say you make folks feel good when they're around you or hear um, stories of how well you're doing. Um, what you just shared is an example. Um, I was going to ask about moments of challenge or disappointment, but what you just shared is quite an example of uh, something that could have been incredibly discouraging to you. Um, do other ideas come to mind in terms of, uh, you know, at some points in time where the future did not look so bright or where you felt uh, moments of great challenge? <clears throat> Absolutely. I want, one of the biggest challenges that I've faced thus far um, in my own personal life is, is when my grandmother died. Uh, my grandmother and I, we, we had a very, very uh, close and strong relationship. Um, mm-hmm. we, we would talk about three to four days a week on the telephone. Um, when she was still alive, I would <clears throat> I would either send for her to come here and, and visit uh, to visit me, or I would at least go home to St. Louis at least once a year uh, to visit her. And so uh, mm-hmm. my grandmother, her, her passing was totally unexpected to all of us. And so I'll never forget that uh, Wednesday morning, um, I was actually getting ready to go to work. And so I was uh, preparing and getting ready to go to work. And it's about 9 a.m. And I looked on my cell phone, had a phone call, and I saw that my aunt was calling me. And so I was wondering uh, what she was calling me for, um, being that it was about 8 o'clock um, there <clears throat> in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So I didn't answer the phone call. I just ignored it and um, continued getting ready for work. And then... My mom called me about 30 seconds later, and then so I figured that something was something was up. The fact that my mm-hmm. aunt had called me, and then my mom had called me. So my mom told me that my grandmother had uh, that she had went into cardiac arrest and that she was at the hospital. So I immediately made my way over to my mom's house to be with her. And so the whole time, it's about a 20-minute drive from my house to her house, and I'm praying to God, asking God that He would, you know, sustain and and, and revive her. And uh, so I get to my mom's house and. That's when I found the news that, that she didn't make it. And so one of the biggest, um, so I, of course, obviously, I was devastated, um, surprised, and shocked by it. And so one one of the toughest uh, moments in my life thus far has been what what was the passing of my grandmother. And one of the things that I, one of the things that I dealt with, one of the things that really kind of ate away at me for a long time was, as I mentioned before, we would talk on the phone three or four times a week. And uh, mm-hmm. my last conversation, would I'll never forget it, we were talking on the phone. And usually when we talked on the phone, we, we could talk for, you know, 50, 60 minutes like it was nothing. And so mm-hmm. but this particular time when I called her, I had something to do or someone else had called me on the other line. Or, but anyway, the phone conversation was only about only about five to ten minutes. And so I'll never forget my grandmother. She said, um, I said, I said, hey, Granny, I, I, I got to call you back. And she said, oh, she said, oh, you... She said, you always say you're going to call me back. You you ain't going to call me back. I said, yes, I am. I said, I'm going to call you back. And so a few days passed, and I hadn't called her back. And then that following mm-hmm. Wednesday is, is when God had took her home. Wow. Gosh, that must have been hard. <clears throat> it just Very much so. your heart that, mm-hmm, that you didn't get to talk back to her. That I didn't get to talk back to her, Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. How One of the lessons that I learned there was, to, you know, to embrace every moment. You know, we we never should never take for granted and say we'll do something tomorrow that we can that we can do today. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. How did you persevere during that time um, when you were, you know, walking walking in the midst of it? Yeah, so I, I would say that there were probably. Uh, Three, uh, really, three things, or well, yeah, three, three things that really got well, two things and one person that really got me through uh, that challenging point in my life. Uh, the, the two things being uh, one, which were uh, one, one was prayer. Um, you know, as a minister, a lot of times you can develop the habit of a lot of your time can be devoted to praying for other people and praying for their needs and praying for their struggles, et cetera. And so when my grandmother died, my prayer life really um, was revitalized and re-energized from the standpoint of uh, because the pain was so deep. I found myself uh, learning to really uh, not just intercede for others, but also to uh, to pray for myself. And so I just remember those times, um, especially immediately after her passing, and just being honest with God and sharing with him my feelings and, uh, you know, my feelings of pain, but then also my feelings of uh, not understanding, and, and even um, some feelings of, of anger towards him uh, for kind of taking my grandmother um, unannounced and not giving us a, a heads up. And so uh, so prayer was one big thing. And the second thing was what was reading my Bible. Um, similar to prayer, sometimes as ministers, when we're when we're reading our Bible, we're always looking uh, to to find our next sermon or to find our next Bible study or uh, reading mm-hmm. our, our our scriptures to see how we can encourage somebody else. And so, this time, as opposed to or during this particular time, as opposed to really uh, looking at the Bible as a, a spot, you know, for my next sermon, et cetera, it was really a time where I really was able to really just feast on God's word, where God's word really ministered to me and, and met me at my point of need. And so uh, going through that time, prayer and scripture, uh, prayer and the study of God's word really, really got me through it. Uh, but then uh, the person that really helped me get through it, uh, of course, would be my wife. And so uh, Joy was supportive um, in so many different areas, uh, whether it was her lending her ear uh, when I needed to talk or whether it was her lending her shoulder when I needed to cry. I mean, she, uh, I mean, as you read in my bio, we consider each other our best friends, and so uh, she really showed herself to be my best friend uh, during that particular right. time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, uh, I think you know those three things really speak volumes, uh, reflect very much on who you are. To uh, rely on prayer for your own needs in that moment of, of great pain and loss. Um, and as you said, feasting on the word in a very personal way uh, as opposed to when you are seeking the word for how to teach or evangelize or instruct others. So appreciate I appreciate that very much. And for those of us who know you, we know that your wife is, Truly a help me, and I, I think you two look alike. Well, your your um, comments are certainly having faith at the core 
of getting through or persevering through a time of great challenge. Um, would you just say maybe another word or two about the difference that faith played during that time of great challenge? <clears throat> so it's interesting. My grandmother, she used to always say, um, she used to always say that she didn't understand how, or she used to always say something along the lines of uh, life with God can sometimes be difficult enough, or, or life, life can sometimes be difficult enough with God. So I don't understand how some people can make it through life without God. And so mm-hmm. I really, um, I'd always heard her say those words, uh, but when she passed and the pain that I experienced, probably the deepest level of pain that I've experienced in my life thus far, um, I truly had come to understand um, and really embrace those words for myself. Um, not, to, not to sound cliche, but to use the words of Marvin Sapp, I mean, that, that was really one of those situations where it was like, hey, without God, I, I never would have made it through it. And so just having that faith, uh, knowing uh, that there is a purpose for what we're going through, uh, knowing that God, um, that he's aware of our pain, and that not only is he aware of our pain, um, but he's sensitive to our pain and he heals our pain, which is why Paul tells us that he's the God of all comfort. Um, th- those things really uh, strengthened me throughout the process. And then most importantly, knowing that my grandmother, knowing that because she was a believer, uh, that I'll see her again. And so I was able to grieve, but I was able to, uh, in the midst of my grieving, I was able to have hope, even though I was grieving. Amen. Amen. I I understand and can relate from uh, losses in my own life and having to just really hold to, cling to uh, my faith that because they were believers, um, you know, there was a place prepared for them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this this is uh, uh, just very personal and I'm sure very uh, relatable to our listeners out there. Uh, because we are in such a special time of the year, Alan, I want to turn to Christmas and I want to just hear from you some about the meaning that Christmas holds for you. Definitely. <clears throat> so so the meaning of Christmas to me um, is it, definitely the time where we celebrate the birth of Christ. And so we, uh, we as believers, we, we take time to reflect on the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind. Uh, with that, you know, I'm, um, I totally admit that there are times where um, I myself can uh, easily forget the real meaning of Christmas. And so I can, um, during this Christmas time, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually the shopper in the house. And so I'm the one that likes to shop and likes to buy. It's one, one of my one of my love languages. And so even for myself, it's very easy to kind of uh, forget the, the real meaning of Christmas. Um, so one of the ways that we try to combat that or one of the ways that we try to um, maintain and keep the real meaning of Christmas, the focal point in the Harris household is what we try to implement various things, um, various family traditions, uh, which keep Christ at the forefront of Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so um, from a, um, from an immediate family standpoint, uh, Joy, myself, and Isaiah, um, every Christmas Eve, we, uh, we bake a cake and we put a birthday candle um, on the cake 
and then we sing Happy Birthday Jesus, the, the song Happy Birthday Jesus. And so we, we've uh, been doing that for the past couple years, uh, really um, to impress upon our son uh, that, you know, Christmas is really, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. And then from a, um, well, that's from an immediate family standpoint, but then also when our family gets together, uh, we, we always make sure that we have um, some type of family devotional uh, whereby we're just reflecting on Christ and his birth and um, his death and resurrection and, and how good he's been to us. So e- even in our household, it's very easy to, to get caught up in, you know, buying the gifts and sipping on the eggnog, mm-hmm. eating the cookies, et cetera. But we, we try to mm-hmm. implement some various things that will keep Christ first. That's wonderful to hear. Great ideas, too, in terms of um, including in the rituals of the holiday something specific to keep Christ as the focus. Um, As this year is so quickly winding down, um, less than two weeks left, I believe it's super smart to carve out some time to really think about what mindset you want to take into the new year. Um, I've talked with our audience earlier about it's important to uh, decide on the mindset that you want to take into the new year because that is going to affect the kind of new year you have. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think it's it's important to... uh, to take some time uh, going into the new year, uh, to take some individual time uh, just to really reflect, um, to look back on the past year uh, that God has brought us through, but then also to look forward to the new year and to see uh, what is it that God uh, is requiring of us and is asking of us to do differently and to do better in the new year. Mm, I like that thought of actually asking God and seeking what he is requiring and asking of us to do differently in the new year. One of the things exactly. uh with my one of the things with my coaching clients I always say is feed what you want to grow in your life. Whatever that is, be it love, faith, compassion, it could be productivity, financial success, better health, whatever it is that you want more of in your life, to feed that. But I I find that usually when they're examining themselves, they are often feeding and giving a lot of attention to the opposite of what they want. They're feeding self-doubt, worry, past mistakes, unforgiveness. So... You know, to have a fulfilling new year, I believe listeners have to make a choice and leave the pessimistic or negative mindsets behind in 2015. What advice would you offer to help our listeners shed anything that's holding them back before they go into the new year? So one of my uh, favorite Bible verses is in uh, Philippians chapter 3, when Paul says, uh, forgetting that which lies behind and pressing towards that which lies ahead, I press toward the mark of the high calling found in Christ Jesus. And so I think uh, one of the best things that that all of us can do 
um, as we head into 2016, is to, is to literally take those uh, take those words of the Apostle Paul, and uh, to number one, uh, forget those things which lie behind, uh, lie behind us. Um, sometimes um, there are, um, sometimes our mistakes can be a great hindrance uh, to us doing uh, great things um, in the future. Uh, but as, as as I've heard one pastor say before, uh, not only can our uh, mistakes hinder us. Our past mistakes hinder us from doing great things in the future, but sometimes our past achievements um, can hinder us mm-hmm. from doing great things in the future as well. And so because we've achieved great things or because we've accomplished goals that we've set for ourselves, we can uh, sometimes put it on cruise control um, and say, hey, you know, I've, I've arrived, I've done this, I've done that. Um, but I think one, one of the mindsets that I try to take into every new year, um, knowing that uh, we are stewards of everything. Um, the question that I ask myself is, how can I be a better steward um, of everything that God has given me um, in the new year? So how can I be a better steward as it relates to time, um, as it relates to uh, my temple, uh, the body that God has given me? Uh, and, and so uh, just having that mentality of the Apostle Paul when he says, hey, uh, forgetting those things which lie behind. In other words, don't don't look back at the past. You know, keep keep your eyes focused on the future, knowing that there are things, knowing that there are goals, there are uh, things that God wants to do in you and through you. And so as it relates specifically, you know, to the negative aspects, sometimes we dwell on our past mistakes, et cetera. Um, I think one of the most important things for us as believers, we have to remind ourselves that uh, we serve a God who's a forgiving God. And so, um, you know, he tells us in his word that uh, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so if God can forget about our sins, you know, the Bible tells us that he cast our our sins into the sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. If God um, forgives us of our sins, then we need to forgive ourselves of our sins as well and keep marching forward to the great things that God has in store for us. Amen. Amen. You know, one thing that um, I would love to have you say a word about also is um, being unforgiving. Sometimes, you know, there are things that have happened in our lives. Someone hurt us or someone um, uh, took our uh, support for granted or, or they misused or um, actually even just took advantage of us and it has left us in a heartbroken state of mind. Um, would you just say a word about being unforgiving as you go into the new year? Yeah, so I, I would look at uh, unforgiveness as, as a um, you, you kind of use an, an illustration um, I remember years ago I heard a sermon um, by Freddie Haynes, and it was entitled um, "You Can't Take Off Until You Check Your Baggage." And uh, he he, um, he he talked about how one of the pieces of baggage that we often kind of, or that often that many of us carry, uh, that's preventing us from flying to where God wants us to go, um, is is the issue of unforgiveness. And it's actually interesting mm-hmm. that you um, picked this topic of unforgiveness, as this is actually one of the areas that God both uh, challenged and uh, grew me um, and uh, has grown me in 2015, uh, this whole issue of of, um, forgiveness 
and and I never I'll never forget reading um, a book a couple months ago, and the author he had made the statement. He said, "You are uh, you are no." Uh, he said, "You are um, you are most like Christ uh, when you forgive people uh, who don't deserve your forgiveness." And so mm-hmm. the challenge for me is to think of the fact that uh, that Christ has forgiven me of so much. And so when I think of all the things that Christ has uh, forgiven me for and forgiven me of, the question mm-hmm. then I kind of have to look at myself in the mirror and I have to ask myself, you know, how, how in the world can I then uh, not forgive somebody um, if Christ has been so forgiving and so understanding of me? And so I was actually having a conversation with someone a couple weeks ago about the whole issue of uh, forgiveness. And so uh, the question was posed to me, um, is it really possible to, um, because we've all heard the phrase, you know, um, forgive and forget. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some who will say, well, I can forgive, but I won't forget. And so that was kind of what the conversation was based around is, is it really possible to forgive, um, but not forget? And so I really believe it's just my personal opinion. I really believe that God does call us to forgive um, wholeheartedly, um, 77 times 7. But at the same time, he does call us um, to use uh, sound judgment. You know, the Bible tells us that he's given mm-hmm. us a sound mind. And so uh, mm-hmm. when when we've been hurt by somebody or somebody has done us wrong, oh, we do have to use uh, discernment and judgment. Um, like mm-hmm. using the analogy of, like, say, two friends. Um, if a friend has... Um, if a friend, uh, let's say it's me and one of my friends, and let's say my friend stabs me, well, if my friend mm-hmm. stabs me, I'm going to forgive him. But if I see him with that same knife, um, am I going to walk? Mm-hmm. Am I going to walk close to him again? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I do believe mm-hmm. there are two sides of forgiveness. You know, there's the side where, yes, I do forgive somebody, but at the same time, I have to use wisdom and discernment um, in terms of how to move forward with that person. Mhm, mhm. I agree. Um, it's not an either or where you uh, forgive and you allow a person to make, uh, repeatedly mistreat you. You can apply the lessons that you learn from a situation and have a have a forgiving heart toward the person, but apply the lessons so that you uh, give appropriate distance when you need to or appropriate boundaries in that relationship to prevent your having the same kind of experience over and over again. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think your, uh, your faith, your, uh, your human walk through, you know, a very difficult time through grief, uh, through... Uh, hard time accepting loss, as many of us have experienced, is something that many of our listeners can relate to. Um, I imagine someone is listening and reflecting on what you've shared, and they may be saying, I can relate to what you went through, but I'm not where you are in terms of a faith walk, and I'm not sure where to begin to strengthen my faith walk. Or I I don't know how to start a relationship with Christ. What would you say to them? <clears throat> so for the individual who um, would ask, you know, who would say, or who would ask, the, who would ask, um, how how would they start a relationship with Christ? I would say uh, that it, first that everyone needs to know that that God wants all of us, um, that He desires to have a relationship. 
through his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, mm-hmm. as I often say, accepting Christ into you. Accepting. Uh-oh, I'm sorry. It sounds like we have a little technical breakup there. Alan, can you repeat that, please? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, technology. Our guest has gotten bumped off, but I'm sure he will dial back in. So while we're waiting for him, I do want to hear him say a little more with regard to um, how someone can start a relationship with Christ or to strengthen their faith walk. While we're waiting for him to uh, join us again, let me just say this is the kind of conversation that this broadcast is all about. I hope that um, something has been saying said today that would uh, maybe just uh, nudge you, uh, give you some real thought-provoking things to take away, and we'd like to hear from you. It's time for you to join our conversation. We want to connect with you, and you can say something on anything you've heard in today's broadcast as we wait for um, Reverend Harris to dial back in. Call in right now with your comments or questions. To join us, call one 716 That's 646-716-9397. While we're waiting for callers and waiting for our guests to return, let me just go ahead and make a couple of announcements. Um, Each each, uh, broadcast I've shared with the ladies out there that I will be launching uh, a program in January called Six Inspired Choices. Six Inspired Choices is for you if you need to make some substantive changes in your life in the new year. And I have another program for ladies who may just need a jump start to the new year. If you need some help gaining clarity and prioritizing your time on your most important goals for the new year, it's a short five-session program called Begin Anew in 2016. Both programs are conveniently provided by teleconference or Skype. For more info on either of these programs, send me an email at lsj.clc at gmail.com and preferably before the end of the year because we're going to get launched in January and really get the new year started to um, make it a more fulfilling and purposeful year. Let me see if uh, Reverend Harris has been able to get back on with us. Reverend Harris, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. My apologies for that. I understand. Technology. So tell us again what you were saying with regard to steps someone can take to start a relationship with Christ. Yeah, so I like to always use the ABC analogy, and I just tell people that um, 
having a relationship with Christ is or receiving Christ into your life is as easy as your ABCs. Um, first, the person needs to admit that they are a sinner. Uh, second, mm-hmm. uh, the person needs to believe uh, that Christ died for their sins and that God has raised that God raised Christ from the dead. And then C, a person must uh, confess with their mouth Christ is Lord and believe in their heart. Um, confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, and they shall be saved. So um, in having Christ, um, asking Christ into one's life is, again, as, as easy as, as, as our ABCs. A uh, first person has to admit, second a person has to believe, and then lastly a person just needs to confess that Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. A very simple way for anyone who is seeking to um, accept Christ and to grow a relationship to begin. It looks like we have callers already, Alan, so I'm going to go ahead and take our first caller. Caller at 571-732. Press 1, and you're on the air with us. So I'm going to go ahead. Hello? Good morning. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Hello? Well, good afternoon. Yes. Good af- Hello. Good afternoon. Yes, this is uh, a question for Reverend Harris. Yes. Uh, Reverend Harris, I heard you uh, your comments regarding uh, forgiveness, uh, and um, I'm reminded of the scripture in, in Psalms uh, 103 that speaks to um, how uh, Christ puts out transgressions as far as the east is from the west uh, uh with respect to uh forgiving and not forgetting uh what would you say is in response to um, uh cr- the scripture there how it speaks to uh, in a sense uh to me uh what commun- communicates to me is forgetting yes yeah, so i i would say forgetting from the sense of not holding that previous fault against the person. But I, but at the same time, I wouldn't say forgetting in the sense of, um, I wouldn't say forgetting in the sense of acting as though it didn't happen. So I, I think what we have to do, I think God does call us to forgive and to forget, but at the same time to walk with wisdom. Um, one, one pastor, he, he kind of, he, he used this illustration. He said, if you had a, um, he, he said, if you had a child and let's say that child was, uh, physically abused, um, by, by your uncle, would you, um, so you would, God calls us to forgive that uncle, but then would we leave our child in that uncle's care? Then we probably wouldn't. So it, it's the aspect of, uh, forgetting, uh, forgetting whereby we don't hold that um, transgression or that fault against a person, but at the same time using wisdom and discernment. Or another way of putting it, um, I, I, um, I've heard another pastor use this illustration. Um, if someone uh, robs me of ten thousand dollars, well, yes, I it's gonna, of course, I'm gonna be upset, but God calls me to forgive mm-hmm. that person. Um, but at the same time, am I going to give that person uh, $10,000? You know, if, 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 if I, if I'm giving, if I gave $10,000, if I give $10,000 to a, you know, to an investor of mine, and I find out that they have now run off with that $10,000, am I going to forgive them? Yes, I'm going to forgive them. But am I then, but am I then going to give them another $10,000? 
um, thinking that they're going to invest it. Most likely I'm mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. I appreciate that explanation. Thank you. Thank you, caller. You're welcome. Okay. Any other callers out there? Join us at 646-716-9397. We welcome your calls on anything we've discussed in today's broadcast. Actually, whether you agree or disagree with us, call in right now with your comments or questions. Alan, while we're waiting to see if we have any other callers, um, yes, I think this is uh, a season of the year that I certainly enjoy most during the year. What are you enjoying most about this season, would you say? Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorite times of the year, um, specifically this year. Um, well, going back, m- most times every year um, I take some time off of work um, just to kind of mm-hmm. um, settle down for the for the end of the year and then kind of get ready for the new year. Um, as I said before, mm-hmm. you know, this is around the time where I'm doing a lot of introspection for myself and I'm setting goals, um, things that I want to do. Uh, things that I want to do better um, than I did the previous year, mm-hmm. things that I haven't done at all. So I'm setting goals for myself. So that that's always one of the most enjoyable parts about this year. And then just the uh just the different uh feeling that comes with uh that comes with uh this time of the year during this holiday season. Um this this year is um I have a new opportunity that's been afforded to me. Um my son, he's off uh both this week and next week. Um so I've been able to get in a lot of good a lot of good uh, father-son bonding time, and so I've been enjoying that. Um, and so, yeah, I just always enjoy this time of the year, um, just being able to uh, reflect and look forward to the new year um, and spending time with family as well. That's wonderful. Well, you have a cherub in Isaiah, I must I must say. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go to our next caller. Um, 703-644 prefix just press 1 and you're on with us live Uh, 703-644 prefix you're on with us live go ahead please press 1 and go ahead please Okay, let's go to the next caller. 703 Okay, caller, please mute your um mute your computer or your phone for us, okay? And then we'll be able to hear you without the feedback. Hello. Yes. Hello. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. Yes, we can hear you. Yes, Reverend Harris, uh, my name is Larry. I have a question not necessarily related to Christmas or New Year, but a general church question, and that is what are your thoughts about children, especially teenagers, desiring to attend a regular Sunday worship service as opposed to uh, being directed to, uh, to Sunday school? <clears throat> so when I look at the uh when we look at the definition or we look at the concept in worship of of worship rather in the Bible, um 
we, we, we do see the, the uh, importance and even the, the mandate uh, for individuals to worship. Um, so knowing that um, worship is important and knowing more and also knowing that we were created to worship God and knowing that corporate worship is something that God expects out of us. Uh, I, I have no, uh, I, 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 my, my advice would be uh, for that teenager or that child, uh, whichever, uh, wh- whichever uh, venue that they feel uh, most comfortable in and whatever venue they feel most beneficial in, uh, that's why I would then, um, that's why I would then, that's why I would then encourage them to take part in worship. So uh, where they're taking, uh, where, where they're um, taking part in worship uh, isn't as important to me as just making sure that they are taking part in worship. All right. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Okay, we have another caller, 703-217, prefix. Press 1 and you're alive. Hello? Hello? Go right ahead. Yes, I I have a question for Reverend Allen. I'm glad to to hear him on the radio today. Earlier you mentioned that you were an introvert, and I'd like to know how you reconcile that at the moment that you have to preach when you're looking out and you, you're seeing all these people waiting to hear a word from you, but you know you're an introvert. How do you reconcile uh, getting through that initial uh, challenge of trying to get through that? Great, great question. In, in terms of preaching, that's actually um, really not a challenge for me. I mean, even though I am an introvert, um, the, the blessing is that one of the things that God has taught me, being that I've been preaching for almost 15 years now, in my earlier years of ministry, I was always um, concerned about what people would say or what people would think about the sermon. Um, and then God took me, um, God showed me um, later on in ministry that really preaching is really about him being glorified. Um, and so when I'm preaching, you know, it's it's more so about is he pleased with what I offer with what people then, rather than if people are pleased. So my focus um, on my focus in preaching um, is focused on God and not so much the people. Thank you. I appreciate that. Excellent. Thank you, caller. Okay, we have another caller on. Caller at 573-397-prefix. Press 1 and you're live with us. Hey, how are you all doing today? We're well. Great. Yeah. Good, good. Um, uh, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri myself, and uh, so I was listening to the Reverend Harris, and uh, I had a question. Uh, Christmas time has been tough for me, um, I don't know, for the last several years, and um, it's just a hard time to get through. I wonder if he had any how to make it through these uh, holiday seasons when maybe you don't have a lot of... I have a local pastor, Benji Gronk, but uh, I don't know. I was always looking for advice, really. Yeah, I I appreciate the call, and I I, um, appreciate your transparency. Um, It's it's a great call to to serve as a reminder to all of us listening uh, that that the holidays, um, whereas there are great times for some people they can be more difficult for others. 
And, and then I've certainly been there before, um, times where I've experienced, uh, times, seasons of life where I experienced loneliness. I mean, it seems as though that loneliness was uh, kind of magnified uh, during um, during the various holidays. And so my, uh, my advice to you um, would be uh, to maybe just find one thing um, that, that that kind of brings you uh, a, a good feeling. Um, maybe find um, you know what, what's what's that one thing that you can be uh, that you're grateful for. That one thing that you're thankful for, or, or may, may, maybe maybe um, it's a thing. Reverend, would uh, like there is the Kermit and Friends podcast. Would that count as something that could maybe pull me through? You said the Kermit. Oh, let's say that again, podcast. please. What what is the name of the podcast? It's called Kermit and Friends with uh, Elisa Jordana, Ryan Lever. Um, it's just it gets me through some of the rough times. So yeah, I'm I'm not okay. familiar. I'm not necessarily from. I'm not familiar with that particular podcast. Um, but but if mm-hmm. the podcast is giving, if it's uh, if if it's uh, Christ centered, you know, if and if it's God glorifying. And if that that helps you get through it, then by all means, I, I would certainly recommend the podcast. Okay, well, it's going to keep the coal out of my stocking this Christmas, so that's what I'm counting on. So, I appreciate it, Rev. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you for, calling, you for calling. Thank you. Okay, we have another caller on the line at seven zero three eight eight seven prefix. Press one, and you're on the air. Caller seven zero three eight eight seven prefix. Press one, and you'll be on the air. Oh, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Hi. Good morning, uh, Coach Linda. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, yes I, can. I have a chance. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, Reverend Harris, I really appreciate your your, your discussions today, um, especially uh, the comments uh, to the question earlier today regarding um, how whether young people um, should go to um, Bible study or attend church service. That brought back for me some great memories of when um, I was young and uh, my my mom, my grandmother, and great-aunt uh, uh, would turn me to church. And um, during church service sometimes, you know, when the Lord moved on some of the ladies in the church, it scared me, mm-hmm. um, really scared me. And I found that going to Sunday school, for me, um, made me more attuned to uh, growing in faith and learning about the Lord, and um, and I had a preference of going to Sunday school versus going to church service for a while. And um, uh, that that discussion you had earlier with the caller really brought back some memories for me. Thank you so much for for your comments on that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, my pleasure. And I have a, a question for you too, relating to again to young people, but uh, this group of young people in the the uh, say, late 20s, uh, early 30s um, range. Um, when I go to uh, different churches, I see that the uh, preponderance of, of uh, congregants in the church are 
of folks, you know, 40, 50 and older, uh, mm-hmm. what would you say to uh, young people in their late 20s and uh, 30s, uh, you know, to uh, give them uh, something to to come to church services for? <clears throat> great, great question. Um, I, I would actually kind of tweak that question. Well, well, to answer your question, I, I would actually – my my comments wouldn't be so much towards um that um particular age group but my comment would really kind of be more more so to churches as a whole um i'm i'm under, my personal opinion is i think that a lot of churches um the reason that we don't see that age demographic within the church um is because that they um is because they find um that they feel that there's something missing uh within the church and so my first um my first suggestion and trying to reach that demographic and trying to reach that age group um I would say that the church needs to be more um more intentional um about asking <clears throat> the church needs to be more intentional about asking themselves what is it that they can do um to reach that to reach that age group because as you said most churches that you go to you will see um you will see that that age group missing and there's actually a book that I had to read um, for one of my master's programs, or while I was in my master's program, rather. It was called They Love Jesus, But They Hate the Church. And so the book really was talking about how, uh, the, the book was talking about how there are, that age group, that particular age group, they'll be the first to tell you um, that they're spiritual people, um, that they're saved, <laughs> and that they have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. But because there are things that the church is not doing, or and, and in some cases because of some of the things that the church is doing, that they in return are turned off from the church. So I think that churches overall could do um, a better job and maybe mm-hmm. just uh, listening and being more intentional um, and hearing those, hearing that age group and asking, what is it mm-hmm. that we're doing that makes you want to stay away from the church? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds good, I, and I hope that many churches will will adopt um, you know, such a mindset to, in order to reach out to that group because that group is truly, truly missing, you know, from our, our churches. Thank you very much. Thank you, caller. You're welcome. Okay. Do we have any other callers out there? We've had uh, great inputs and uh, comments. I'm going to just see if we have any other callers who want to ask a question or make a comment at 646-716-9397. Reverend Harris, I I am so thankful that God rose you above that discouragement of, of that high school teacher who thought, you know, you might want to um, move in the direction of trade school uh, because you are truly um, anointed for your work in ministry. And um, I just pray that uh, God will continue to um, keep his hand on you and to use you in amazing ways as he is now. Thank you. We it looks really like you do have another caller. Hold on. Um, 517-732. Uh, 
press one and you're on live with us. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Reverend Harris. Good afternoon. Uh, just a quick question for you. <clears throat> when we talk about the church uh, culture today, uh, in, in your opinion, uh, what what is the is, is there a, is this kind of a broad question? But what is the most effective thing? Uh, do you think the churches are lacking or uh today that we can do better and to reach um um those so the the lost souls out there how how do we reach um, and and churches we're finding as you said more and more people who are shying away um and it's just not i uh, not just a particular age demographic um but just in general um uh, what are the churches missing today that, that that people just aren't finding it appealing? Yeah, so so I think a great great question. I think there are um, a slew of answers uh, um, that that go to that question. Uh, the the book that I referenced earlier, they like they love Jesus but not the church. Um, he actually lists about nine different things um, based on a survey that he took of. Um, of individuals from the ages 18 to 30, 18 to 35, about things that they um, don't like about the church, things that either the church is doing or things that the church isn't um, isn't doing, which then, in return, uh, makes them say no thanks to to church. <clears throat> Before he lists those nine things, um, the first uh, the, the first principle that he gives in the book is he tells us that if we're going to reach um, that age group and other age groups as well, um, is that the is that the church really needs to become incarnational and needs to become missional. Um, that is to say, um, that's just, um, that is to say, just like a missionary, when a missionary goes, <clears throat> when a missionary goes overseas in an effort to spread the gospel, well, the first thing they do, they don't just start spreading the gospel, but they make themselves known uh, within the particular community that they're in. Um, so they're making themselves missional. They're they're um, making themselves incarnational, and so the author of the book he he shares how we as believers, we as the church, we need to do the same thing. And so a lot of times in churches, uh, we have the mindset, well, um, let them come to us, but the mentality really needs to be we need to go to them. So if we're going to be missional and if we're going to be incarnational, we need to go on their territory. So. Where are these 18 to 35-year-olds? Um, wherever they are, then our presence needs to be there. And so if we have the mentality that we can just, or that they're, that they're just going to come to us as opposed to us going to them, then we have it then we have it twisted. So we need to go where they are. So if they're hanging out at Starbucks, they need to see us at Starbucks. We need to be engaging in conversations with them. Um, if they're, you know, uh, wherever they are, that's where the church needs to be. So we then can learn their culture, and so the only um, one of the main reasons that people go to church um, is because there's they know that there's a need um, in their lives for something, and sometimes people will come to church uh, not knowing that their need is Christ, but they're looking for something. And so if uh, if individuals um, there are some individuals who are staying away from church because they're saying, hey, I'm looking for something, but what I'm looking for, you're not offering it to me. Wow, mm-hmm. excellent. Thank you for that input. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Reverend Harris, you have uh, 
you have really shared your heart today. Um, your transparency and wisdom is is just a great encouragement to all of us uh, who have had the opportunity to hear this conversation. I want to just say I can't thank you enough for being my guest uh, to just plant some really powerful seeds as we close out uh, this year. Um, before we go, or before I wrap up, do you have any shout-outs that you'd like to share? Yes, so I want to uh, I want to thank my uh, thank my wife, and I want to uh, thank my son, and I also want to uh, thank my coworkers, uh, thank thank the staff that I work on, thank my boss, thank my coworkers, and uh, I believe I have some other family who's listening in um, as we speak now. So definitely want to. Send a shout out to all those who have called, um, who have who have dialed in to uh, who have dialed in to to support me um, during this interview. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, I believe what you shared will be helpful to many, and I pray that it will result in someone making inspired choices as we move into 2016. So thank you again, uh, Reverend Harris. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. My my pleasure. And now, ladies and gentlemen, um, please mark your calendars to join me on Tuesday, January 12th for our next broadcast. My husband, Richard Spike Jones, will be co-hosting with me, and our special guest will be Ms. Keitha Johnson, Antioch's Director of Ministry Services, who is also a Christian comedian and a dear friend. That's going to be a great hour of sharing, and we're going to open up the phone line early with lots of time for you to call in and share a particular highlight of 2015, and not necessarily resolutions, but to also share what you are most looking forward to in the new year. So again, please mark your calendars. So you can be sure to tune in on January 12th for the next broadcast. Since this is our fourth and final broadcast for 2015, I want to send a shout out of thanks to every single listener who has tuned in and um, and just supported this idea and been a part of uh, this new venture for me. So I want to leave you today with a lovely blessing that was shared with me by a friend in Hawaii, my Linda Morris. May you always have enough happiness to keep you sweet, enough trials to keep you strong, enough success to keep you eager, enough faith to give you courage, and enough determination to make each and every day a good day. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all. Until next time, stay blessed. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.